A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It's been a year that posed unthinkable questions, and science has risen to answer them. We found vaccines that work and treatments for COVID, but there's one question we still don't have a definitive answer to. How did this pandemic really begin? Almost certainly came from a bat. The question is, what happened between the bat and the pandemic? It used to be seen as a fringe conspiracy theory, but now the idea of a lab leak in Wuhan is being taken seriously by the President of the United States and both British and American intelligence. Did the virus jump from animals to humans, or did it escape from China's Wuhan lab? President Biden asking the US intelligence community to, quote, redouble their efforts to investigate the source of the virus. So what's changed? How did what used to be regarded as a conspiracy theory come to look more credible? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, why the Wuhan lab leak theory is being taken more seriously. The story in the front of The Sunday Times, their lead story, and this, this, this will be alarming an awful lot of people. There were gasps over breakfast all over the country as people read the front page of the Sunday Times. UK intelligence sources were telling the paper... There's perhaps been a Chinese cover-up and that the Wuhan lab leak theory is feasible. It was just the latest development in an evolving story. And British intelligence weren't the only ones asking questions. Their US counterparts had also raised a red flag... The previous week, the Wall Street Journal, part of the same media stable as The Times, published a major scoop. We knew it was going to cause a splash, obviously, but once we published the story, it just exploded. That's Warren Strobel. I'm a national security reporter for The Wall Street Journal, based in uh, the Washington Bureau. Warren's explaining how The Wall Street Journal's reporting led to the US government launching an investigation to reassess the evidence surrounding a lab that specialises in coronaviruses in Wuhan, the city at the epicentre of the first COVID outbreak. The story uh, broke new ground in, in providing details about how three researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which was very close to the uh, outbreak of COVID, got sick and had to seek hospital care in November of 2019. And this was based on uh, previously undisclosed details of a U.S. intelligence report. This theory 
that the pandemic could credibly have been caused by a lab leak has divided both the scientific community and world leaders. So the response to the Wall Street Journal's piece was remarkable. Tonight, President Biden ordering U.S. intelligence agencies to redouble their efforts to investigate the origins of COVID-19. The president giving intelligence agencies 90 days to report back. After your story came out, President Biden ordered an investigation. How did you feel when you heard that? I was like, wow, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, all as journalists, we always hope our stories have impact on public policy and public debate, but we don't strive for that, right? We strive to, like, deliver new information to our readers and uh, subscribers and viewers and listeners and to break new ground and get the facts and get them right. But I think there's a pretty direct line, uh, to be honest, from our story to the reaction it caused to President Biden's statement. So I think the story and all the reporting subsequently has had a huge impact on, on the debate over COVID. What do you think of this investigation? Do we know what it'll look like? The intelligence community's search for the origins of COVID since shortly after the pandemic broke out. And we've written a little bit about how the U.S. intelligence community, certainly in uh, December of 2019, was not well set up to uh, track and analyze pandemics. They had some capability, but it wasn't a priority. So... I guess the idea that the U.S. intelligence community in 90 days is going to come up with some uh, concrete answer or magic bullet, as it were, to this mystery is a little, uh, I'm a little skeptical of that. And I've talked to some people in the intelligence community itself who are a little skeptical of that. Obviously, the president is what they call the first customer. He's the boss. He's who they uh, exist for to to inform. And uh, they'll do their best. And perhaps they will come up with some new clues, new lines of inquiry, new bits of evidence. But I just don't think 90 days is enough time to, to figure this one out. It may be many years before we actually know, if ever. Why now? I mean, as you say, you've been looking at the Wuhan lab you know, ever since the pandemic began, we had an investigation, a huge investigation by the Sunday Times here last summer. Why do you think it's sort of really gained momentum and credibility now? By the way, the Sunday Times investigation was excellent. I remember reading it when it came out. And it's one of those things that I read and uh, added to my voluminous folders of information about the outbreak of COVID. It was really good. Um, why now? I think uh, a couple reasons. 14, 15 months have passed since the COVID pandemic swept the world, and there is no solid evidence so far for the zoonotic theory, that the theory that uh, the, it, the virus arose originally in nature and mm. was, you know, humans were infected via animal or series of animals. Nobody's found the animal or even the species that held COVID and then infected humans. I don't want to point fingers. I'm trying to be neutral here, but I think most observers would agree that the Chinese have not allowed a full and transparent investigation. The World Health Organization investigative team that went there, they were very circumscribed in what they could do. They were basically shown what the Chinese wanted to show them. They did not interview lab researchers without Chinese officials present. They weren't able to look at safety records and lab records and all sorts of other information. So the Chinese have deleted some information from the Wuhan Institute of Virology website. They did that very early on. So the second point is there's a feeling that China has not been opened 
And then thirdly, I think you have a number of scientists who early on kind of associated themselves with the idea that the lab leak hypothesis was a conspiracy theory. And over time, some of those very same scientists have moved to the point where they're now saying it should be investigated. Some of them are very prestigious scientists in Europe and in here. Fourth point is that the lab leak theory was pushed very strongly by President Trump and his Secretary of State, Michael Pompeo. And I think because of that, and because it was known that they had it in for China, and we're trying to point the finger at China, most people would say to deflect from their own miserably poor handling of the uh, COVID pandemic in the United States, that it was sort of dismissed because of uh, who the messengers were. You know, a lot of the media, in the U.S. at least, called this conspiracy theory promoted by Trump. And so that's the fourth point. And then fifth point, you drop our, our additional reporting into that. And it was just sort of a perfect storm, I think, of elements that uh, I don't know the reaction in the U.K. and in Europe, but in the U.S., I mean, it just completely changed the uh, conversation and, and restarted the whole debate about how COVID started. For Warren Strobel and his colleagues at the Wall Street Journal, this story began in earnest on January the 15th of this year. The State Department released an important statement. It was five days before President Trump left office. The State Department issued a sort of lengthy statement about the Wuhan lab and about the origins of COVID. This was something that was... uh, put together by a special State Department task force, and it made a number of points. It made the point that the U.S. government has reason to believe that several researchers inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick in autumn 2019 before the first identified case of the outbreak. Our reporting added to that the date of November, the fact that they sought hospital care, and the fact that there were three of them. It went on to talk about military research being done, or at least research done in association with the People's Liberation Army at at the Wuhan Institute, and it also talked about what so-called chimeric viruses, in other words. They were recombining material from several viruses to create new viruses. The statement is public, and you you and your listeners can go read through it, but that was sort of our starting point. Why do you think it didn't didn't cause as much of a splash back then? That's a good question. If you go back, it was reported on, but again, Mm. this was five days uh, before Trump left office. It was January 15th, so it was nine days after a mob that was encouraged by President Trump attacked the U.S. Capitol in the worst insurrections since, I don't know, the War of 1812 or something like that. Worst insurrection in a long, long time in this country. And again, I think a lot of reporters and analysts and observers just discounted it a little bit because of uh, who the messenger was. It was Trump and Pompeo, and they had lots of reasons to want to point the finger at China and not point the finger at themselves. President Trump continued to push the theory in a number of press conferences. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves. They shouldn't be making excuses when people make horrible mistakes, especially mistakes that are causing hundreds of thousands of people around the world to die. The Secretary of State at the time, Mike Pompeo, also chimed in. I can tell you that there is a significant amount of evidence that this came from that laboratory in Wuhan. Look, the best experts so far seem to think it was man-made. I have no reason to disbelieve that at this point. I think it's fair to say that a lot of media, at least in the United States, did not give it its proper due because of the timing and the messengers. It took us, I think, roughly from early April to late May to wrap up this phase of the reporting. 
we were extra careful to make sure that we were accurate, that we had multiple sources confirming things. You know how this reporting goes. You get a little piece of information from one person, and then you have to go to two or three others to try and confirm it, and they get slightly different stories. So you go back to the original source and bounce that off them, and finally doing that sort of triangulation over a course of weeks or even months, you feel like you have a fairly accurate, as accurate as possible picture. And um, we talked to both people in the uh, Biden administration, as well as people who worked for Trump and Pompeo at the time the statement was put out. And what were they telling you? There are two theories here, and our story and other stories do not say that the lab leak hypothesis is is true. We do, we're do we not saying it leaked from the lab. All we're saying is there's circumstantial evidence to suggest that. And the, it's quite possible at the end of the day, two or three years from now, it will be confirmed that this virus arose, you know, naturally. Humans were infected by another animal. I think the probably, I haven't done a poll, but I think the majority of scientists and virologists probably believe this, still believe in the natural theory. But right now, there's circumstantial evidence for both. And so you can't discount the lab theory? Yeah, but six months ago, most people did discount the lab theory. That's what's changed, yeah. It's been quite strange to see this emerging in, I guess if I was a politician, I'd say that the Overton window had somehow shifted. That's Tom Whipple. And I'm the science editor at The Times. Tom spends his life talking to scientists and has seen how the lab leak theory has divided the scientific community. Back in February of 2020, there was a large scientific conference in Seattle. At this press conference, I heard people very, very strongly refute the idea that this was engineered in a lab. And those same people still would. When we hear about laboratory leak, there are different scenarios. There is the idea that maybe the Chinese were engineering a bioweapon, or maybe they've made an artificial virus, or maybe they've engineered a coronavirus. Now, all of those remain unlikely. Pretty much everything I say from this point on is going to be disputed, and there will be angry blog posts. But the broad consensus is there is no good evidence that it has been engineered. There is no smoking gun that says, right, that little bit of its genome shows that this was mm. made in a lab. The The most likely outcome is we are still looking at a natural virus. Now, that's one reason why people so strongly went against what they, they termed a conspiracy theory, this idea that it was engineered. The thing is, it doesn't have to be engineered. What we have is a natural, for the sake of argument, coronavirus, and it could well have come from a natural source. And indeed, it did come from a natural source. It almost certainly came from a bat. The question is, what happened between the bat and the pandemic? Now, one very, very obvious thing that happened is it crossed over into humans, for whatever reason, maybe via another animal, and we had a pandemic. But you can't prima facie exclude the possibility that it found its way from a bat into a freezer in a laboratory, and then a laboratory accident released it into the world. And those are, in terms of genetics entirely indistinguishable events, but in terms of, I guess, blame, or if you want a different word, lessons learned, they're completely different. And so what's happened now is there are more people saying out loud, hang on, have we really excluded the possibility that the fact that this turned up on the doorstep of the Wuhan Institute of Virology might be related to the Wuhan Institute of Virology? 
The lab leak theory has provoked a number of passionate arguments and counter-arguments within the scientific community. So one argument is, if, if you'd asked a virologist any time in the last 50 years, what do you fear most? They'd have said global pandemic. If you'd asked them how this could happen, they'd have said, well, the most likely is a overspill from animals, a zoonotic event. If you'd asked them what animals, where, they'd have said, well, it's where humans are encroaching on wildlife. This was a predicted event, a likely event, and it has happened as predicted. So why do you need to invoke an extra laboratory to do this? And then the the counter-argument is, yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely true. A zoonotic spillover is completely plausible. But is it not at least worth noting that this zoonotic spillover appears to be from bats that live a thousand miles away from Wuhan, but is next to a lab that studies coronaviruses. You know, should we not at least interrogate this fact? To which the next counter-argument is, well, yeah, we did. The World Health Organization, the WHO, convened a global study into the origins of the virus. In February, in a press conference, they said it was extremely unlikely that COVID-19 began in a laboratory. The scientists at the lab were interviewed. They gave a whole load of data, although, caveat, not all the data. They say they weren't working on any viruses with a similar genome. They say that when it happened, they specifically went and looked for that because they themselves were worried that it must have been a leak from their freezer. But it it just doesn't seem to be one they were working on. The test results show that members of of the Wuhan lab tested negative. So, you know, what more do you want from them? At what point do you say you're just trying to prove a negative? To which the other group will say, well, hang on, all of this is predicated on the idea that they are telling the truth, that the lab is telling the truth, that it exists in a country where the truth will out, as opposed to a country with the greatest infrastructure for preventing inconvenient truths coming out. And of course, this is pretty much if it is a truth, the most inconvenient geopolitical truth that there could be maybe this century. And that's kind of where we are. The difficulty of this is we're fundamentally dealing with extremely unlikely events. This whole thing happened because of an extremely unlikely event, a mutation in that somehow let this spread in humans in the first place. The, the fact that this unlikely event that is a global pandemic involves unlikely events to get there is not in itself necessarily that smoking gun. So yeah, you, you can go down all, all, all of these routes and, and, until you're completely insane. With the arguments and counter-arguments still raging, the Wall Street Journal's investigation changed the conversation dramatically. It showed that three people who worked at the Wuhan lab had been hospitalised with COVID-like symptoms back in November 2019. We don't know if they were hospitalized overnight. Our our understanding is maybe some of the three were, maybe one of them wasn't. But the fact that they got sick enough with something that it could be a really bad seasonal flu, it was November after all, but it was also consistent with COVID-like symptoms, um, that just raises all kinds of questions. The first question being the Wuhan Institute and one of the lead researchers there, Dr. Xi, the so-called bat lady, had always denied that anybody got sick in that time frame. So that's one thing. And the second thing is, okay, what were they sick with? We don't know yet. Uh, How sick were they? How did they get sick? 
Is it possible that they got sick with COVID from somewhere outside the lab and brought it to work? That's that's one possibility. Mm-hmm. It just raises a lot of unanswered questions, but to us, it kind of caused us to redouble down our, on our reporting. Coming up, why is it so difficult to reach a definitive conclusion on this question? But first, a message from one of our veteran, multi-award-winning journalists. I'm Anthony Lloyd, war correspondent for The Times. It's you who enables me to report from some of the most volatile environments in the world. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Amid heated arguments about the credibility of the lab leak theory, the World Health Organization launched its own investigation into the origins of the pandemic earlier this year. But for some in the scientific community, it raised more questions than it answered. I've read their entire report. Here's Tom Whipple again. Now, a lot of people will say that the report is awful from a completely lay perspective. It seems that they did quite a lot. So part of the report was about looking through biobanks at stored materials to see if, say, in September or October, you could find antibodies against SARS-CoV-2, which would imply that it had been spreading in those places. Part of it was about looking at the genome sequences of the early cases. If you've got genome sequences, you can triangulate them to a common source. And you can see, so, so because it very slowly mutates normally in completely benign ways you've got like a molecular clock and from that you can see where they had their common ancestor and when it was and there you're Mm. seeing it's late november maybe a bit earlier 
you they went around the wet market they looked at you know investigations into the wet market they the chinese went through 70,000 odd reports of respiratory illness in the months up to the official outbreak beginning and they narrowed down those case reports to under 100 people who had COVID-like symptoms. They went along and antibody tested those people. They all came up negative. They looked for potential animal crossover species. So they went round and there was this kind of Noah's Ark of animals. There were crocodiles, lions, baboons, bears, pangolins, pandas, all of them. They they went through and see if any of them had, had signs of infection. Again, they they came up negative. They looked at what was going on in Wuhan in December and found that, you know, as well as at the wet market, there seemed to be circulation elsewhere in the city that might point to the fact that the wet market wasn't where it really kicked off, although it was clearly clearly a super spreading event. They didn't find, you know, smoking guns to answer things, which is, let's slightly step back. This is an astonishingly hard thing to do. We're talking about a virus a, a, a virus is is a thousandth the width of a full stop so you could you could get you know happily a million of them in a full stop or i guess if you made the full stop 3d you could get a billion in them and within the virus we're, we're talking about a mutation in its dna so you know something even smaller among thirty thousand odd, odd letters and, and we're trying to work out what this was up to at a period when no one was aware that it existed it's a massively hard thing to do. At the end of having presented the report, the investigators said, look, some of you are going to be impatient. Some of you are going to think, you know, why haven't we found definitive answers? And they said, well, this takes a long time. Read the literature. It always takes many months or years. In some cases, they pointed to measles 1,500 years to find out where the thing came from. So be patient. This is a hard thing. Now, that was the report. The report has been heavily criticised. The report's authors themselves said that there were always Chinese people in the room. We weren't always sure why they were in the room. But one of of the criticisms is they haven't managed to chat to witnesses, for instance, from the virology labs, confidentially, off the record. I'm not sure how you could do that in China. Do we know how Um, much access they were given when they went to Wuhan? Well, some people I spoke to said it was a, basically just sort of a nice tour and they sort of went on a state-sponsored tour of places in China and then signed a report. That's the cynical view. They'd say they had thousands of documents, thousands of samples of things. But all of this really comes down to, and this is, I don't know whether or how it, it can be resolvable, it comes down to whether you think China was acting in good faith. I mean, presumably there is a scenario where they accidentally have a lab leak from you know, entirely legitimate scientific experiments at a a virology lab. But then the cover-up is really the issue. Yeah, and you'd say that if there was any any country that would really excel at pulling off a great cover-up, it's going to be China, (laughs) isn't it? But this is the frustration. If there wasn't one, the thing is, how can they ever convince the world that there wasn't, if, if all we're going to do is assume that China's lying? Now, one of the arguments of those who are pro sort of lab leak in inverted commas is there might be evidence from outside of the country that we haven't really considered clues to the fact they've been working on something like this but when people talk about the big bad state of china they're at the stage where they're being accused by the world of doing this if they really are a state that has no interest in the truth and only an interest in saving themselves well 
how hard is it to fabricate some serum samples from a village beside a bat cave up in the north? It feels to me like the conspiracy can go both ways. You'd have to ask, well, if they if they really don't want an investigation, then why haven't they fabricated an investigation? How, how has China been responding to all of the new questions that are being asked? Oh... Uh. They denounced our story in a statement. I mean, it's always fun when a country does that. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's, it is kind of fun. They didn't denounce us so much as the U.S. intelligence agencies saying they were wasting time and diverting attention from the hunt for the real source of the virus. That's Warren Strobel again from the Wall Street Journal. They have declined to really permit further investigation, and I and they have also suggested the virus came from out or elsewhere. They've pointed fingers at Fort Detrick, which is a laboratory not far from where I live in Maryland that does, it used to do bio-warfare. But after that was banned through the uh, International Biological Weapons Convention, they do research on biodefense, you know, how to defend against uh, other countries' biowarfare. So they pointed the fingers there. As if they pointed the fingers at frozen food that maybe it was imported and the virus was imported into China on frozen food. And they've said, oh, maybe it comes from Europe. There's now evidence of possible early cases in September in Italy and so forth. I don't personally know the uh, accuracy of those claims, but... In other words, that is that has uh, sort of been the response, and it's it's one more flashpoint if we needed it in Sino-American. Chinese officials have even suggested that the lab leak theory is similar to the false allegations back in the early 2000s when America and the UK accused Saddam Hussein of having weapons of mass destruction, which served as a pretext for the eventual invasion of Iraq. I find that highly amusing because I was among a group of four reporters working for a news service known as Knight Ritter in that time frame that was the only U.S. news agency that consistently questioned George W. Bush's case for war, that Saddam had WND and ties to terrorism. <laughs> in fact, a movie has been made about us called Shock and Awe, so I'm not the right person to be kind of throwing <laughs> that at. It's very amusing. Do you think, given how, how they seem to be shutting down and not wanting to question what happened during that period... Does it make it even less likely that any, any investigation will come to a complete conclusion? Yeah, I'm afraid that's probably the case, at least in China's current position and the current sort of more aggressive attitude from the U.S. and the West about this. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's a formula for uh, getting to an answer anytime quickly. Unless you get some sort of whistleblower. I know that anybody within China who does that would be risking... Maybe their life, mm. certainly their family, certainly their freedom. But it is possible that you have somebody come out and surreptitiously provide new information for either theory, for the lab leak theory or the zoonotic theory. That potentially could happen now that there's renewed attention on this. But uh, absent that, I think it's going to be very difficult to get to an answer in the near term. What do you think of the great lessons to be learnt from all of this, from, from the fact that it's taken so long after the pandemic began for, for this theory to even be properly considered? I'm not a public health expert, but I've, st I've spent the last year learning more about it. And from a public health perspective, I think the lesson is when something like this happens, it's very hard for the country that's first affected to do this, but you really need to be transparent from the get-go and provide information and just open yourself up so the world knows what this virus is, how it started, 
how it's going to spread. You know, I don't know if you recall, but early on, the Chinese government, I think the WHO, like denied there was human to human transmission. This was very early on, but they did, and they were slow in providing the world with information. And that's not an anti-China thing. If this had happened in the United States or Venezuela or the United Kingdom or Peru or anywhere around the world. The first few days and weeks of the pandemic are are critical. The second thing is journalists, we're supposed to keep our minds open. You know, doesn't mean we embrace conspiracy theories or go charging off in strange directions with no evidence, but we are supposed to keep our minds open. And I think in this case, the uh, U.S. media, by and large, did not keep its mind open to the possibility that uh, there could have been other vectors for this this pandemic. Editors and reporters do what they do and make decisions like this in order to um, best inform our readers and get maximum visibility. But we don't do it in order to change policy, but it certainly seems to have had that effect. That, that must be quite satisfying. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still. <laughs> but that's a good day at work. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast Brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, national security reporter at The Wall Street Journal, Warren Strobel, and The Times science editor, Tom Whipple. You can read all of Tom's reporting and analysis at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Leona Hamid and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer was James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.